Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, The Delicate Path and Trades, and ask me questions if I was confusing. The Delicate Path and Trades. Have you ever been in a situation where you're possibly, where you're traveling down a pathway? The pathway doesn't have a sign saying this is a pathway. There are, there, there is one visible path. There's one visible path, and sometimes there are precarious steps you might have to take to stay on said path, or perhaps there are some rocks, some large, uh, large, um, what would you call them, like platform stones? You're supposed to step on the platform stones to stay on the path. You can stay on the path not stepping on the platform stones, but it's easier to step on the platform you have a delicate path. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do this off-season. There are some things that podcast easier than they write. There are some things that write easier than they podcast. And, of course, there are some things that I'm going to post on Bleed Cubby Blue, which are either very similar to or very different from, either or, could be either one, content on my Patreon writing account or my Anchor podcast, um, audio podcast account. It could be either. It could be any. Perhaps you like to listen on your way to work or your way home from work or when you're out walking the dog, or whatever. Perhaps you like to sit down and actually read stuff. I'm not going to criticize anyone for their method of learning information in regards to the Cubs pipeline. Whatever works for you, I'm trying to make that work. I'm trying to make that usable. And I'm trying to cover all the bases, even though it's harder to do that on some platforms. For instance, when I write an article, I can quite easily place a link of something to the applicable source. I'm trying to do sourcing better. I'm trying to do sourcing better. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm trying to do sourcing better. Um, For instance, overnight, just within the last hour and a half, I had a podcast where I talked about James Triantos' development and how Arizona Phil on... The Cub Reporter, which you really ought to be experiencing. You ought to be paying attention when Arizona Phil 
has a blurb, has a comment, has an addition, you might want to listen because Arizona Phil is out there, is watching, is paying attention, is taking notes. And if Arizona Phil has something to say, if you are interested in the Cubs pipeline, you might want to pay attention. And it's a whole lot easier for me to link to what Arizona Phil is saying in an article than on a podcast. I guess it's probably possible, but it's a whole lot easier in an article than in a podcast. But I'm going to try to have information as available as possible in basically as many of the forms as I can. So, for instance, Arizona Phil has recently been talking about James Triantos, who continues to pound the baseball out in the Instructional League. On Friday night, he had a double and a homer. On Saturday night, he didn't do any. He was like 0 for 4 um, as the Cubs got three hit. But there's information to be gleaned from many box scores. And you should probably, if you're not checking out Arizona Phil, check out my um, Patreon account that has the links. One thing about Triantos is, and this is from Arizona Phil, who's out there watching, Triantos, he's listed at 6'10", and I don't buy that he's 6'10". He looks shorter than that. Looks more like 5'10 than 6'1, but they're saying 6'1. Okay, I guess he might be 6'1, but I think I think he must have been wearing platform shoes that day. Um, Triantos has an arm to play third base. The contention for James Triantos might be a third baseman long term makes reasonable sense. Is that a guarantee? No, but he did really well about two years younger than the Arizona League, Arizona Compound League, and was much better in his second month than in his first month, but he was very good both months. Triantos is a third baseman for the future. However, the Cubs in instructs are playing him quite a bit at second base also. Now, why would the Cubs play Triantos at second base? Because in the Arizona Compound League and in instructional ball, teams don't do much uh, shifting. You have your second baseman where a second baseman's supposed to play. Your right fielder's where the right fielder's supposed to play. Third baseman's where the third baseman's supposed to play. Shortstop's where the shortstop's supposed to play. You don't have a whole bunch of the shuffling going on. You have your regular guys in your regular positions, and you see how they adjust to things. With the trend toward shuffling players around, in case that continues on into the future and is not banned by the league, the Cubs are playing Triantos at second base in case the trend toward shifts continues. If the trend toward shifts 
continues, then Triantos at second base makes a degree of sense. Triantos at second base makes a degree of sense because they can have him play second base and he can get used to playing second base, which doesn't figure to be his primary position. But if shifts continue on into the future, James Triantos might well be playing short right field at some point in his future, whether that's with the Cubs, whether that's with somebody else, whether that's with whatever. One other discussion I was having overnight. It was actually pleasant. It was two people who I don't follow on Twitter and don't follow me on Twitter. I'm aware of both of them, but there's no following going on. They are of a different mindset and they don't prioritize the pipeline, which is fine. I understand there are a lot of people who are not interested in the pipeline. They don't have time. They have other things going on. They don't have people they follow in regards to the pipeline because their world doesn't really include the pipeline as something they're interested in. And one of the interesting topics that came up Again, I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. Regarding the Cubs pipeline, regarding the Cubs prospects, some people have me in the camp of every single Cubs prospect is going to be in the winner category. You go to the... um, Horse races, you make some bets. Some bets you lose, some bets you win. When you win, you take your ticket up to the window and you cash it out. Whether a player makes it to the major leagues, that's cashing out. If the player is traded for a player who is, a, is acquired as a major league player, that's cashing out. If a player does really well and is in discussions, but the Cubs decide, you know what, we're going to keep this guy, but because this player was involved in discussions, other players were traded. Now, that's not going to be able to be proven, but, you know, um, oh, let's say... Uh, Daniel Palencia. Cubs have Daniel Palencia and some team is interested in I want to trade for Daniel Palencia. I really want to trade for Daniel Palencia. Well, we're really not interested in trading for Daniel Palencia, but since you're offering something we are interested in, how about we try to interest you instead in A, and then somebody else gets mentioned. The trade gets made, but Daniel Palencia led to an um a trade with a different player. If a player provides value to the organization on into the future, they cash a winning ticket. If the player is useful, they cash a winning ticket. Some people think I am suggesting that every single player in the Cubs pipeline, all of them from 
Reggie Preciado to Owen Casey to Alexander Vizcaino, who actually, before the trade, here's one I just ran into completely accidentally. Before the trade, Alexander, um, Alexander Canario. Alexander Canario, before the Giants trade, was Alex Canario. Since the trade, he's Alexander Canario. How that happened? How did he go from Alex Canario to Alexander Canario because of a trade? I want to find that one out, and I want to see if he's bothered by it. I, I, I don't want to ask Alexander or Alex Canario if he's upset by it, but is he Alex or is he Alexander? Because I want him to get called by whatever the heck name he wants to get called because uh, names are personal things. So uh, he's hits better since he's been Alexander Canario. But I want to know if he wants to be Alex or Alexander. So there you go. There's my little project for the day. Um, back to where we were. Not all Cubs prospects are going to cash. Not all Cubs prospects have to cash for the Cubs to be successful. In no way, shape, or form am I going to be able to tell you which ones are going to be able to cash? Which ones are going to almost cash? But not quite. Which ones are going to get to the point where they are top 50 prospects? They get called up to the majors. <coughs> and then they don't do as well as people had hoped. I don't know that. I'm not aware which players are going to fall into which categories. I do not know that. A lot of people seem to think that since I am on the prospect front, I think all the prospects are going to excel. All the prospects are going to be above average. All the prospects are going to be stupendous. Nothing could be further from the truth. DJ Hers, yeah, he had a good year. Do I know um, beyond a shadow of a doubt that DJ Hers is going to be a major league superstar. No, I have no idea. All I know is what he has done so far, what I have heard in ball games, how he has done in specific ball games. I do know he pitched the front end of a no hitter. I do know he was Cubs 2021 minor league pitching prospect of the year. I also know he doesn't sound like he's remotely satisfied with what he's accomplished. He wants to do more. Will he make it to the major leagues? I don't know. Will he be successful if he makes it to the major leagues? I don't know. Some people like to toss me into the category of, you think all the prospects are going to be good. And nothing could be further from the truth. I have absolutely no idea. People want prospect people to be able to tell them how exactly good. Alexander Canario, or Alex Canario if you prefer. Do I pick him in the seventh round or the fourth round of my fantasy draft this offseason? I don't have any idea. I don't know. I'm not representing that I know that. What I am representing that I know. What I am representing that I know is not that. 
Let me see now. Where's my list? Where's my list? Here's my list. Here's my list. I'll just read some names off here. I'm not representing that I know how well Pete Crow Armstrong or Braylon Marquez or Nelson Velazquez or Cole Franklin or Chase Strumpf or Reggie Preciado or Jordan Wicks will do. I'm not representing that, not even remotely. However, as I look at my top 30 list, if five, six, seven, eight of these players that I'm looking at on this list, you, you don't know who's on it, but you know who's on it. You know, I, I'm looking at it. There's no real surprises here. Closest to a surprise is my 30th at Pedro Ramirez. I'm not going public with it yet. Maybe I will at some point. Make a podcast, make an article. Hey, maybe it'll be a bleak, cubby, blue thing. I don't know. It's not that this specific player or that specific player, this other specific player, or the Cubs will only be good if they hit on their pick number seven in 2022. I don't know that. I don't know that, and I can't know that, and I don't even try to claim to represent that I know that. What I am confident of is this list of 30 guys, plus toss in the first and second round picks in 2022, toss in if there are any trades in the offseason, players that are acquired, if the Cubs grab someone in the Rule 5 draft, either the Major League portion or the Minor League portion, however it works out. If the Cubs are going to be successful in 2024, 2025, 2026, it will be because three or four or five or six or seven or eight of these players are good. The 30 names I'm looking at. And if it's closer to two or three, the Cubs will be less good than... If it's more like seven or eight. Cubs fans, and I'm going to make an overgeneralization here, but I'm totally comfortable with the overgeneralization. Cubs fans generally do not grasp the importance of prospects developing. Cubs fans generally do not grasp that because they haven't seen it. What Cubs fan success has been, has been Cubs trade for Sammy Sosa. When Sammy Sosa is not a prospect, Sammy Sosa does fantastically well. Cubs in 1983 trade for, actually it's 84, it was, it was, it was early, early, early 84. Um, Gary Matthews, who was the farthest thing from a prospect, traded for Gary Matthews and Bob Denier. They did really well. In 20, what was it, 2014? 2014, yeah, 2014. Cubs trade Scott Feldman and get Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strope, neither of whom are prospects. They do fantastically well. Cubs fans are used to players getting acquired and 
doing quite well as non-prospects. And that ends up being the focus. Who are the non-prospects the Cubs can obtain? The reality is, though, if you look through the years, teams that have developed internally quite well, regularly, throughout the years, Cardinals, Dodgers, Yankees, for certain stretches of time, the Boston Red Sox, if a team is internally developing talent well, they're in good shape. They're in good shape. The Dodgers, what, what was it, back in the 70s, they basically called up from AAA their entire infield. Garvey, Lopes, and Ron Say. They would called up um, Bill Russell, who ended up being their shortstop a bit earlier. They just called up their entire infield, their, their entire start. All of them were all-stars. All of them were all-stars. Call them up from AAA. Here you go. We're going to play you now. Cardinals were notorious for, we're going to call this guy up. And, oh, oh my goodness. This guy's fantastic. Where'd you go from? He's in AAA. He's doing okay. He's doing not okay. But they, Yadier Molina, internally grown, brought up. Albert Pujols, internally grown, called up. Quite a few others. Jack Flaherty, internally grown, called up. If a team internally grows talent. And then calls it up. And that talent is successful. Guess what? That's a recipe for success. Cubs fans haven't seen that. And then when they did finally see it, when they did finally see it, Cubs fans, I guess it's understandable. I guess it's understandable. They glommed onto the players that were successful. It wasn't the Cubs happened to call up a player from AAA, and he became a National League MVP. It was, I'm going to glom onto Chris Bryant, or I'm going to glom onto Javier Baez, or I'm going to glom onto Wilson Contreras, or I'm going to glom onto Kyle Schwarber. That's what the Cubs fans were familiar with. Have Superstar um, glom onto Superstar. That was what Cubs fans are used to. Rick Sutcliffe. It's what put him over the top in 84. Sammy Sosa. It's what put him over the top for being such a popular team for such a while. Ryan Sandberg was not, not, not a Cubs prospect. Ryan Sandberg was a Phillies prospect. Ryan Sandberg spent about zero games in the Cubs minor league pipeline. Upon arriving, he became a regular. Cubs fans are used to Cubs acquire veteran. Veteran does well or veteran does poorly. We assess that. Cubs trade for Aramis Ramirez and Kenny Lofton. Great example. Fantastic trade. Two players brought over. 
one sticks around for a short while and is like a comet as far as how helpful he was. And the other player sticks around for a number of years and is very good for a long time. Derek Lee acquired in a trade, not brought up from the minor leagues. What Cubs fans have come to believe is the way to be successful is to acquire a guy who is a veteran, ride that veteran for two or three or four or seven or 14 years and hope that the team is successful before he gets old. Cubs fans are not used to the New England Patriots mindset. What the heck is a New England Patriots mindset? And why are you talking football? What the New England Patriots did with Bill Parcells, they had one guy, one guy, one guy at the top on the roster that they kept building around, Tom Brady. You might like Tom Brady, you might detest Tom Brady, whichever, it doesn't matter because here we know that liking a player is incidental. What's, what's important is whether they are good, whether they are helpful, whether they are useful or not. The Patriots rode Tom Brady. And every year, once Brady started getting expensive, Brady's going to stick around. The other players are going to go away if they have to. But I really like that wide receiver. It doesn't matter. That wide receiver that you really like, they're going away because we're keeping Tom Brady. We are building around Tom Brady. And everyone else is a movable piece that... Eventually, at some point, regardless how much you like them, regardless how much they helped back in whatever season, they are going away. The cold, cutting, um, and emotional mindset of the New England Patriots that led to success after success, after parade, after parade, after success. That's kind of what the, the, the Cubs are generally looking for. Find the one guy or the two guys who really do want to stick around with the Cubs and have them stick around the Cubs. But if none of the players want to stick around the Cubs enough, to give the Cubs a long-term extension that is mutually acceptable, then internally develop replacements for all the players. You don't have to hate Chris Bryant because he decided, you know what, trade me to San Francisco. Why not? I'm ready to go to San Francisco. I can hit a home run for San Francisco in the playoffs, just like I can hit a home run for the Cubs in the playoffs. The plan with the Cubs is these 30 players, these 30 names, plus other names that aren't on the list, plus other names that aren't in the organization yet, plus other guys that haven't been traded for yet. If the Cubs properly develop talent internally, not only will the team have success long-term, but Cubs fans' mindset, the Cubs 
fan mindset toward prospects might change. More importantly, if the players who are on this list of 30 in three or four years, it'll probably be a bunch of different names, probably be a whole bunch of different names. But if the player development staff is doing their job properly, the 20 or 30 names that are on this list in three or four years, totally, completely different names, a lot of them. Those players will also be being developed. If the Cubs develop internal answers to replace regular starters, quality starters, high-end starters, pitchers, hitters, outfielders, infielders, catchers, whatever. If the Cubs internally develop answers to have a competitive roster, they'll be fine. Here's the important thing about my assessment on the Cubs. If the players developing aren't good enough, if the players developing aren't good enough, nothing else really matters. The Cubs aren't going to be able to go out and buy three or four free agents that are going to somehow mystically make them scads and scads better than other teams. That's not going to happen. The Dodgers, they're too good. Frankly, the Brewers, they're too good. The Braves, they're too good. The Rays, they're way too good for the Cubs to go out and toss, oh, what, what would it be, six years and 237 million at somebody, and hey, you're going to make us better than your team. That's not going to happen. First off, it doesn't happen that way financially. Second of all, if a player is that good, he's not going to want to come to a fourth place team. If the Cubs develop talent internally, they will be fine. If the Cubs do not develop talent internally, they're not going to be fine. They're going to be screwed. That is the assessment I have. Any other assessment of my assessment of the Cubs is probably a little bit all wet. Do I know if Cole Franklin is going to be the guy? No, I don't. But if Cole Franklin and the other 29 names on this list develop well enough so that the Cubs really don't have to look to free agency to fill in a whole bunch of different empty spots, the Cubs will be fine because the pipeline has done what it's supposed to. Regarding trades, regarding trades, this was going to be a shorter podcast, but I got onto a bit of a roll. Regarding trades, it's interesting in the offseason to look at the major league standings and try to figure out which teams make sense for the Cubs to make trades with. And it's not going to be all 30 of them. It's not going to be all 30 of them. Because while MLB-only baseball fans, and there's a lot of them, MLB-only baseball fans, all I know is about Major League Baseball. All I know is mainly about the Cubs. Maybe I know about some of the other teams. Maybe I know a whole lot about the other teams. But all I know is MLB-only. 
Maybe I've heard of some of the prospects. Maybe I'm aware of Brennan Davis. But really, what I know is MLB only. The types of trades MLB only fans are going to try to talk about are MLB talent for MLB talent sorts of trades. For instance, um, maybe the Cubs would be able to trade. Here, let me uh, bust this out. Uh, maybe the Cubs could trade Frank Schwindel and Nick Madrigal for a starting pitcher. See how that works? Frank Schwindel, major league player. Nick Madrigal, major league player. Those two get traded to another team. And in exchange, the Cubs get a major league pitcher back in a turn. See how that works? That is the type of trade that most MLB-only fans are interested in. Two players I'm familiar with from this side, one player or two players from the other side that I'm familiar with, very much the Craig Kimbrell trade. Craig Kimbrell for Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal. That is a, an MLB-only trade. In reality, the Cubs haven't done many of those at all. They made how many trades in... Well, they traded nine guys. They traded nine guys in July. Only one of them was an MLB for MLB trade. The other guys involved prospects. The other trades involved prospects. The other deals involved prospects, as did the U Darvish trade. Yes, yes, Zach Davies was involved. Yes. Yu Darvish and Wilson Contreras were major league players. But the important thing was the prospects. And the MLB-only fan is the person who passive-aggressively and snarkily referred to the players the Cubs received as teenagers. If that's the mindset, that's the mindset. You know, whatever, it's, there's no point in even arguing it. If the mindset is, Oh, they made the trade for a bunch of teenagers. Okay, that's the mindset. That is the sign that a person is an MLB only for MLB only type of baseball fan, which is fine, I guess, but it's not particularly um, applicable when you look at most of the Cubs trades. The types of trades the Cubs are probably going to make this offseason, and I think they're going to make some trades. They're going to make some trades. They're going to make some free agent acquisitions. I really think the trades the Cubs are going to make are going to involve, at least to some extent, a player you've heard of for a player you haven't heard of. Let me, I'm going to look down this list of relievers. Hmm. Who's a guy? Rowan Wick. Let's use Rowan Wick for an example. He is fairly respected. He's an adequate reliever, better than adequate reliever, potentially might be a closer, etc., 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 etc. People know who Rowan Wick is. They generally have positive assessments of Rowan Wick. Hey, he might be the closer next year. Completely get it. Understandable. Logical. Now, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about the Cubs consider? There's an especially here. There is an especially here. 
But how about the Cubs consider trading Rowan Wick, who represents that he might be a closer. And at the very least, at the very least, he can be a cost-controlled bullpen guy for a good major league bullpen. Seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy, maybe a closer. But he looks like he could be a cost-controlled reliever for a major league team on into the future. Yes? You can argue. You can shoot me a tweet. Ron Wick makes sense as a major league relief pitcher. How about if the Cubs trade Rowan Wick for the best prospect return available? And I can see your face turning red, the smoke coming out of your ears, and your eyes turning to daggers. I can see it through my telephone. And there's not even any audio on this telephone. There's not even any video on this telephone. I can see it. Rowan Wick traded to, insert team here, for, I'd just say it, a teenager. Whether he's a teenager or not, you trade Rowan Wick away to a team who needs a relief pitcher. Which team needs a relief pitcher? Philadelphia? Philadelphia's bullpen was cat piss. A whole bunch of teams. Their bullpens were cat piss. Rowan Wick could make a cat piss bullpen that much less cat pissy. It could make a bullpen better. Rowan Wick for a prospect. The best prospect available being offered for Rowan Wick. And remember how I said there's... Maybe there's uh, an and one with this, a special consideration. What happens if five days after the World Series ends, the Chicago White Sox say, we are not bringing Craig Kimbrell back? How long would this phone call take? Jed Hoyer picks up the phone personally, calls Craig Kimbrell's agent, calls Craig Kimbrell's agent, don't do anything stupid over the next three or four days. We got to do something. Fair? Don't do anything stupid over the next three or four days. We got to talk. Cool? Sounds cool to me. Hangs up. Then, Jed Hoyer goes about trading Rowan Wick. Hypothetically, theoretically, it could be another guy, but I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the bullpen. Wick looks to be the guy with the most um, trade value. Of the relievers, Rowan Wick looks to have the most trade value. Heck, you might insert Keegan Thompson instead, but I'm going to consider him still a flex starter. But Rowan Wick, Cubs trade Rowan Wick, hypothetically, theoretically, to another team. Now, which team would most make sense for the Cubs to be making a trade with if the trade is trading a veteran for prospects. And that was the trades idea on this podcast. As you look at the teams in the league, which teams are more likely to make trades where they prioritize 2022 and under-prioritize 
the future. Teams like Oakland. Teams like possibly the White Sox. Teams like, you get to do the rest of the homework. Wouldn't be somebody like Texas. Wouldn't be somebody like Baltimore. Wouldn't be somebody like Pittsburgh. It would be teams who are generally kind of close to the postseason. Maybe Philadelphia. Philadelphia doesn't have a horribly great pipeline. But if you're trading a Rowan Wick to Philadelphia, doesn't take doesn't take a monstrous trade return to make that at least somewhat logical. So now, given three or four days, the Cubs have traded hypothetically, theoretically, Rowan Wick to Philadelphia or Oakland or whoever they traded Rowan Wick to. And in return, they've gotten a prospect. Now they pick up the phone. Now that the trade is cleared, the trade has been okay, da 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 da, da all the other stuff is taken care of. Now Jed Hoyer picks up the phone, calls Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell's agent, whoever, however, whichever. Craig, babe, I want to sign you in mid-January. Not right now. Not right now. Not right now. Mid-January. Mid-January, I want to sign you to a deal much like the one you signed before. One year with an option, two years with an option, however, whatever, whichever. And you're going to be the closer. And you know why you know you're going to be the closer? We already traded Rowan Wick. You are going to be the closer. It's not going to be you're the guy that comes in the eighth inning because we want Liam Hendricks to be the closer. You're the closer. You're not going to come in the seventh inning. You can treat... Every game as, I'm not going to go on a ball game unless it's a safe situation. You will be in exactly the spot you want to be. You interested? Same guys as last year. Same coaches as last year. Same pitching coaches last year. Same pitching lab as last year. Still going to have um, Craig Breslow around. Still going to have... Uh, you know, everybody. Still going to have the same guys. Still going to have the same coaches. Using the veterans to... S still going to have Tommy Hadovy. Using veterans to add more prospects is a way to make trades. If the Cubs were to decide to trade Rowan Wick for a prospect to a team that had a garbage bullpen that otherwise might have better contended, and they get some sort of a prospect in return, let me see. Looking up Rowan Wick now. Get some sort of a prospect in return. And then, round about mid-January, once the Rule 5 stuff is done, once the 
roster situation is cleaned up a little bit once all of that, everything. Then the Cubs go out and sign Craig Kimbrell to a Craig Kimbrell-style contract. Those are the type of trades that make sense. Those are the type of trades that make sense. Trades where the Cubs trade from strength, their strength of their minor league pipeline, the strength of their ability to internally develop bullpen options. Trading from strength, trading now for then, and, 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 and on top of making the trade, using the financial heft of the Chicago Cubs, using, using the financial heft of being willing to possibly overpay a bit for a player that has already proven he likes being in Wrigley Field that already knows, the pitching coach that already knows all the everything. Makes perfect sense. Thinking ahead, thinking ahead involves other things than major league player for major league player trades. However, if the Cubs ever do get to a situation where they have players who are already somewhat proven that they might be able to trade to another side for something that's less proven and turn right back around and spend money to get Craig Kimbrell to take over the roster spot of the player who just got traded that is a way to use financial heft to the team's advantage and at the same point improve the team's future. If the Cubs trade for Craig Kimbrell, he might want somewhat of a no-trade clause, and I wouldn't blame him for it. And I would probably expect the Cubs to bring about some sort of wiggle room. But um, if Kimbrell is brought back, that would make absolute perfect, complete sense. Especially if the Cubs clear out a roster spot for him. As I walk the delicate path of keeping people informed of things on podcasts, in articles, on, article, uh, on articles on Patreon, on articles in Bleed Cubby Blue. And I'm basically wearing different hats when I write different articles. Uh, when I write for Bleed Cubby Blue, I am a different person. I have to be a different person than I am when I'm writing on Patreon. As I walk the delicate path, I hope I am providing enough value for you to listen and read, and read at Bleed Cubby Blue. I hope I am. Whether I am or not, realize the basic premise 
crystallized is not all the Cubs prospects are going to be successful. The crystallized goal is if there are going to be trades, or if there is going to be success, if there is going to be Cubs success into 2013, 2014, uh, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. It's because this list of 30 guys I'm looking at, this list of 30 guys that I'm looking at, a couple more that aren't on the list yet, a couple more that are going to get traded for possibly whatever, 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 whatever. If these players develop into useful, positive, above-average Major League players, the Cubs are going to be fine. If they don't, they're going to be screwed for that exact reason. It's not that I'm any better at telling you how Owen Casey will do than anybody else. It's that I realize whether it's Owen Casey or Pete Grow Armstrong or Alexander Canario or Christian Franklin or Kevin Made or Chase Strumpf or Reggie Preciado, it's going to have to be the kids. It's going to have to be the kids, some of them carrying a bunch of the weight because that's the way it works. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon as circumstances form. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe, go Cubs, go. Be nice to people. And frankly, go Dylan Cease.